everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tunes Made, episode 23. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And today, we had an opportunity to catch up and interview Noosh Skougen. She has a new album out called Hey Sicko. And about 10 years ago, I put a post on Tunes Mate talking about how this female rock star and coming up and rising. And I guess for a moment there, she took a pause and went into acting and then came back with this new album. So it was kind of interesting to, to interview someone that just couldn't get away from music, loved music, and just had to get back. She was telling me that on her first album, she put together a hundred songs. I guess it was, she really wanted every song to be just like Jagged Little Pill, where there were seven singles that she could release. So if you listen to her music, you can see how, where she came from, from her first album to her latest releases. And I don't know, it was just fascinating. Yeah, that's part of it, right? Is that if you're interested in music, a lot of times you don't ever want to really give it up. You, know, you give it up for a while and you find your way back to it. I think, you know, there's a whole line of history of artists and and not even like famous artists, but just people in general. You know, people play music for a while. They they get out of it. They get back into it. It, it comes and goes. I mean, if you, you want it to stay, but if it doesn't, if it's in there, it's going to keep coming out. Yeah. And, you know, after talking with her, her thing was, I said, well, what's the common thread here? And she's like, well, I'm a storyteller. I mean, that's that's what I do. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So it's no matter what the medium is, whether it's you know writing a song or acting, just telling a story. And I think there's a lot to say about that because you can think of a lot of artists. We started talking about Bruce Springsteen because she does a cover of Radio Nowhere and how she really connects with artists like Springsteen and the Rolling Stones and, and artists that really tell stories. And there's something there about that. I mean, even your new series that you've been putting out there, the, what is it? Music to help us get through everything together. Exactly. I couldn't come up with a snappy name. That's what it ended up as, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but most of the songs that you're featuring are songs that tell stories. And I think that's what gets us through. Well, that's, you know, that's historically been one of the functions of music is to tell story. I mean, you go back to the, the notion of the bard, the, the traveling musician who carried a, a guitar, you know, an old style guitar or a lute or something, you know, and would go around and uh, play and sing songs and tell stories. And I mean, historically, that's one of the basic functions that music does. It tells our stories for us and puts those stories into lyrical form. And that's, as you said, I mean, Bruce Springsteen, you know, he's, he's a storyteller. That's what he tells. It's what he does. He tell he gives you these, these slices of life of people. Um, I always think that when I think of the, the quintessential storytellers, Johnny Cash always comes to mind. One of the things that I love about Johnny Cash was that he told stories. This wasn't just, you know, I'm going to talk about loving somebody for three and a half minutes, right? There's always some depth to it. There's always some buddy's life and this is a part of somebody's life. And I'm telling you about this person, this event, and this is what's going on. Bob Dylan was like that. I mean, even, even you think about something like Bon Jovi. Tommy used to work on the docks. Union's been on strike. He's down on his luck. I mean, they're telling you the story about Tommy and Gina. And that's uh, that's been fundamental. I mean, Bob Seeger is another one that comes to mind. You know, these are slice of life, and that's a lot of the a lot of what what music does. Yeah, and Noosh gets into 
really talking about her new album that it tells her story of all the struggles to get back into music and her life that really tells that story. And it's interesting how through all that pain and, and, you know, all the ups and downs, how music can spit out the other side. And as you said, there's so many artists that do such a great job with that. It takes a lot to put yourself out there and share all that emotion. And I, you know, she's only released, I think, three or four tunes. I think her album comes out in October. But it caught my attention when I started seeing these new songs released. And I could tell that that story was being told. So without further ado, let's just jump in. We'll listen to the interview and we'll be right back. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tunes Mate. Today, we've got Noosh Skougan with us. And it's exciting to have you on our podcast. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Likewise, it's a pleasure for you to invite me to be on your podcast, Mark. Thank you for having me. No problem. And our whole podcast is about introducing people to new music. So there's a stat out there that says, I think it's on Spotify or one of those streaming music channels. It says, at a certain point in our lives, we never listen to new music anymore. We kind of plateau. So the goal of the podcast is introduce people to music and get them and explore other categories and try to, there's so much out there that people can absorb themselves. And I know you are coming back. It's been a little while since you've done some music. Is this correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I released my, gosh, my EPs and my album, my first album, Lost and Found, almost a decade ago, I think. So this album has been a decade in the making. I'm definitely a long-term runner, a marathon runner, rather than a sprinter. I like to do things right and just delve deep into the work and the artistic creativity. And um, yeah, it's ready when it's ready, you know? And with this new release, what was the inspiration? What drove you to put this together? Um, well, it was several years, really, because I was living in LA at the time. And then I, I think I recorded Lost and Found in Nashville. So then I ended up moving to Nashville for a year or two, basically. And it was just an amalgamation of all those experiences, touring, because I toured pretty much the West Coast. And when I was in Nashville, I did all the college tours around Cincinnati and, uh, you know, like Tennessee and everything. And I just had so many experiences with the band and so many life experiences that I just started, I, st I remember writing Run Baby Run on my sofa on my couch in Nashville, in East Nashville. And I just like, it just came really easily. And just, it was like a one session thing in half an hour it was written, which is very rare for some, but when it happens like that, it's almost like, you're not the one writing it. It's like, it's just something that's divinely channeled through you and it just blurts out on the paper. And then, yeah, it was just, yeah, over several years. And then I came back to London, I think, and kept on writing. It was about... Basically, the whole album is about transformation, rebirth, like saying goodbye to the old and the dark night of the soul and everything and uh, being reborn stronger, you know, going through those hard times and those life challenging experiences that make you stronger at the end of the day. But when you're in it, you don't realize it. You have to go through it. And then you're like, kind of like a phoenix rising. So that's the whole, that's the theme of the album is rebirth and transformation pretty much and realizing that the world we live in is not really the world. What we see with our eyes is uh, quite a deception and you create your own reality. And I think that's very, it's so weird when I put out this record because we were umming and ahhing with my team, like it's COVID, the lockdown, should we release it? Should we not release it? And I was like, you know what? 
screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there because I think people need music and they need new music. And it was very pertinent to what's going on. If you listen to the lyrics of Run Baby Run, it's like, look at the lies that are all around us. You know, the constant lies of the stories we've been told by people in power, by our governments, by our, you know, everyone socially, even just growing up, you know, people who are constantly telling us stories and telling you who you can be and who you can't be. I mean, you can be anything you want to be. It's only your beliefs that will limit you. And so it was so pertinent. And I, I re-listened to the record and I was like, gosh, these, this is very pertinent to these times. It's like, wake up. It's an awakening for people to realize what's really going on. And so much is coming out in the media now of what's not true and what we've been told and, you know, the distrust in the government and the people we thought we could trust in. And so, yeah, so... I'm very happy I released it now. And I, I mean, only two, six, three singles have come out. We've still got another three or four, I believe, until the record's released in October. So yeah, I'm really excited. It was totally the right thing to do. But we weren't sure at the time. We were like, when lockdown happened, we were like, uh, do we do this? And then I was like, yeah, let's do it. So yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of artists are in that same position. And either they're holding on to the record because they want to release it at a certain time because they want to go out and tour. And I imagine that's probably challenging right now, obviously, because of COVID. But so how are you getting by right now? Are you constantly practicing? How are you coping with the inability to tour at the moment? Well, I'm quite a, I like to create in dark spaces. (laughs) I love studio work. So it's just channeling that energy in a different way and staying creative and playing and being creative and writing at home, obviously, in lockdown. And just, you know, whenever you get some inspiration, I always write it down in my journal. I journal in the morning. If an idea comes to me, I pick up the guitar, or I, you know, I have a keyboard as well. So I, whichever one I I feel is the right one to start on. So I'm still being creative. It's it's just keeping those creative juices flowing, because touring's are very different. It's like the product, like the the artwork is already made. And then every time you play it to an audience, it's a different vibe because you're receiving the energy from the audience and what you play back to them is fueled by the, you know, the energy that the audience gives you. And I love it and I miss it terribly. But obviously we can't do that right now. But hopefully we will do soon. I'm just, with London, it's been really sad and I'm sure it's been the same in the States. I mean, I know LA when I was living there, all, all those small venues like the Mint and all those places at the Whiskey and I just, you know, I don't know how the small businesses are coping because they need to be alive for young bands to be able to play their their music for people to know who they are. And without that for small emerging bands and independent artists, we're not going to go straight to the O2. You know, we're not going to go straight to the Hollywood Bowl. It's going to be those smaller venues that that support us. And I just really hope they can fall through because we really need them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely been a challenge. And I think it's interesting how you said that you, you like those dark spaces and writing. And it sounds like, I mean, there's a lot of ways musicians generally write. They like to kind of corner themselves in a room and all these ideas come to them. Or it sounds like you're more of the side of an idea hits you and you just start writing. Is Yeah. Okay. Pretty much that's me. I'm not Diane Warren who sits to goes into my office at 9 a.m. and leaves at 6 and just makes myself write. For me, it's always been about but the inspiration hits me. And it's normally when I'm on the move, to be honest, I'm in a car, I'm in a plane, I'm in a bus, I'm walking, I'm running, I'm walking my dog. <laughs> I'm like, I remember when I wrote this record, because I uh, we did it with Michael Beinhorn, who'd just come off recording Celebrity Skin and Nobody's Daughter with Hole. And I brought, gosh, I think I must have brought nearly 100 songs to him. And he literally went through all of them and was like, right, there's about eight we can use that are like, 
were like really good to be on the album because I wanted it my objective was it to be like Jagged Little Pill like Alanis Morissette I think she had seven singles on that album back in the day Mm -hmm. and that was my objective I wanted every song to be that could be a single it was it could stand on its own because I was so tired of getting records and you know how they just put fillers in there's one hit on there and then everything else is a filler and they're not right. good and you get disappointed i mean growing up i remember going to the record store and going oh my god this is an amazing album and you listen to the whole album it's like there's only one or two songs so we rented a like a really cool little like studio thing on venice boulevard by venice beach and <laughs> when he said eight songs i was like oh my god Craig, he said we're not going to even start rehearsing until we've got like 12 standalone songs so I remember whenever I couldn't write, I just walked along Venice and there was a drum circle and there was just so many things going on. And it was the movement, actually, just physically being being physical and walking or running or doing something. Then the ideas came. When I sit down, it's like writer's mm-hmm. block, massive writer's block. So that's how I work. That's interesting. Yeah, I was talking to Jim Brickman, who's he's a piano instrumentalist, and he was saying he actually finds inspiration during the sound check when he's sitting down at a new instrument, which I thought was interesting that he says that there's, there's only so many songs that one instrument can, I guess, create. And I was like, wow, that's, that's fascinating that the actual instrument itself somewhere else can inspire. So you're saying when you're moving, things hit you, where's the strangest place you've had inspiration? Has it been on top of a mountain or something? (laughs) Um, Well, I'm a snowboarder. So yeah, for sure. I've had ideas while I'm on the top of a mountain. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to think the weirdest place. I mean, yeah, maybe a mountain is just, yeah, maybe in the air. I've been on planes. I love being on planes and writing. And yeah, I think probably uh, up in the air. That's where where I've had my strangest ideas. Yeah, that's, it's interesting how the certain places and one of the things I also found interesting was I was listening to an older interview and you're saying that you started on flute, then you moved the saxophone and then you went into guitar. Uh And I think that's also interesting too, is how people make the the transition between instruments. And I think it's like even Mike Anthony from Van Halen, I think he was, uh, he played the trumpet. And, and then he, he became a, you know, a bassist of one of the biggest rock bands in the world. What's, um, what about you? So you got a keyboard, a guitar. Are there certain things that you started to dabble with? Are you playing with any special effects on those? Are you just, is it just a straight up acoustic or what type of instruments do you just typically inspire you? They let you have lying around. Um, well, first of all, I would agree with the um, other guy that you interviewed. Definitely when you pick up a different instrument, it, automatically has a whole new range of song ideas on it because there probably is only a certain amount of songs. I mean, Nashville, there's a joke where you, there's three chords for every song. So, I mean, there's, it's just how you see the world and how you choose to portray that world and how you want to express that. I remember speaking to the Black Keys manager. He was like, this, it's exactly that. It's whatever glasses you're wearing and that's you as an artist. That's your vision. That's why so many different songs are written on guitar, but they're all different because it's the, it's the actual person writing it. And then, of course, you have the band coming in, you have their influence and their riffs and their ideas, you know, when you're actually getting down to it. But yeah, I mean, if I start on piano, it's definitely going to be a different vibe. Like starts when it's over. I wrote that with uh, Jeff Trott, who's Cheryl Crow's longtime collaborator. And we, we started more on keys and we had this like, let's put some electronics, you know, electronica in it. So that has a, if you listen to Starts When It's Over that was just released on Friday, it's definitely got a heavy electro feel to it and more of a, it's a, like a rock ballad, I'd say. So it, ha- it definitely influences how the song 
from the very inception of the song how it's going to be. Whereas if I write on guitar, which is Run Baby Run, it's very like guitar bass driven and heavy rock driven. You know, it's it's a rock song. So yeah, but I definitely want to like expand and get a sitar. I love like Middle Eastern. My father's uh, Persian, he's Iranian. So I grew up with that Middle Eastern music in the house. And that's why I started on flute because the whole family would just come in and play. They didn't read music, but it would just be, you know, my grandmother on violin, my dad on the accordion, like my uncle on the piano, but like it was all by ear. And that was kind of when I was like, you know what, this is great. And I, I play sax on Radio Nowhere. So I kept that because I used to be in jazz bands and funk bands. So coming from wind instruments and being a classically trained musician, I, yeah, initially I wanted to be Charlie Parker. I thought jazz was the, the best thing ever. And my dad was like, you're going to be broken living in Chicago. Like, I'm 14. <laughs> and that scared the living daylights out of me. And I was like, okay, so maybe I don't want to do jazz. So this is what I'm saying, how parents and what people say to you when you're younger really can influence the direction you go in. But yeah, so that's when I picked up the guitar because I was like, okay, I need to be able to write the songs because you can't write on a sax or a flute. I mean, you can add to it, but you can't write the song from the start on that. So that's kind of when I went to guitar. So yeah, I can't remember what the question was that you asked me, but I went off on a tangent. (laughs) Well, it's interesting that you've done that. And then also, I know I've recently saw that you've done some acting. So how did that happen? Well, I think when people ask me, what do I do? I say I'm a storyteller. And for me, an artist, it's you're an artist in whatever form or shape you choose to express it in. So I think an artist could be a painter, could be a sculptor, could be an actor, could be a director, could be a songwriter. There's so mm-hmm. many different forms. Even a gardener. I mean, I've just been doing up my garden, like with my own hands. And I was like, this is so creative. <laughs> you know, when you choose the like the colors. It all comes back to the same thing as of being an artist. Um, so yeah, so the acting, I think I was I was in LA at the time and I had like my second round with Maverick Records. This was back in the day when they had Michelle Branch and Alanis. And they, uh, mm-hmm. Guy Osiri, the president, came in. Obviously, this is Madonna's label. And we thought it was a done deal. And then the same day... They were like, no, we're not going with it. And I, I'm a Scorpio, so I'm zero or a hundred. And I got so disappointed and just like, it crushed my dreams that I literally threw my guitar away. I was like, I don't want to see this guitar anymore. And I was like, I want to do something else, something else creative. And so I decided to go to the Lee Strasberg Institute in LA. I was like, I'm just going to see what acting's like. And it just kind of flowed from there. While I was still at that school, um, I got an offer to do road, the Road to Empire. And then I got a part on Passions, which is like a daytime show. I don't think they're running it anymore, but back in the day they were running it. And I didn't even try. It just kind of flowed into my life. For me, it was more like a distraction. I just needed a break from music because music is everything to me. And I think when when you want something so badly, it can be so crushing when you don't get what you want or you don't get it the way you want it. So it was a great distraction. That's kind of how it started. And and then I loved it. And it just went from there. And I've done CSI. I've done a comedy for E4, which is now premiering in the States on August the 18th on the CW Network. Uh, the CW Network just bought it. So you guys stateside will be able to watch it. So that's awesome. And, and yeah, and the film, the film I did was about the Kurdish female warriors that fight ISIS. So that was a lot of fun (laughs) that I had an AK-47 and a Colt and I was the only one shooting real bullets. I mean, because when you shoot on set, they're they're real bullets, but they've got very low firepower. Does that make sense? Very low, the powder. Mm -hmm. So it could still hurt, but it's very low. Um, 
So that was so much fun. I loved shooting <laughs> the guns and, and obviously portraying something that's really needs to be, you know, made aware of in the world. These women go on the front line and they get two weeks worth of training and they're out there with the men, you know, fighting against ISIS, um, getting not getting much support from the rest of the world, um, finding jeeps and cars where they can that have been discarded by whoever that decided to come into that country and defend their land. And I think it's it was a very worthy cause. And it was released in France, was sold out for four weeks. I'm hoping at some point it will come on Netflix or Amazon because I just think it's it's something that everywhere around the world, people should be able to watch it. So yeah, but I was basically playing myself, a rock and roller with uh, <laughs> a guerrilla warrior, essentially. So yeah, it kind of suited my personality to play that type of role. So that's how the, the film stuff happened and the TV stuff. That's amazing. I like that storyteller. And from that, I'd imagine, I couldn't imagine that when you're acting, you're thinking of songs. I can't imagine that those no situations that you're putting yourself into can reflect on both sides where it can inspire you as an actor and can inspire you as a musician because like you said you're a storyteller and that's that that's wow yeah they definitely influence each <laughs> other for sure i mean you're when you read a script or anything or characters you play a character like that character would certainly have a different perspective on the world because obviously when I write my own songs it's my perspective of the world and how I see it whereas when I play a character it's their perspective but it can definitely seep through (laughs) they they are you become one while you're filming so yeah I have had ideas definitely they complement each other I mean it's all storytelling for me well I know your new album is out and there's a lot of music of yours that's out there if someone wanted to just discover you know Noosh and what you're about where would you tell them the start is it the new album because i know the new album is a lot of effort yeah i mean that was blood sweat and tears for a decade so yeah i would say start with the new album because that's who i am now if that makes sense and then they Mm -hmm. you know then they can go back and see the progression from the start basically yeah i mean i always wanted to do rock music and i think the first gosh skid was my first single and I kind of, it was folk rock at the time, because I mean, my influences are definitely classic rock, like the Stones and Zep and Bowie and everything. But I also love Joni Mitchell and Bob Dylan and stuff. So I, initially it was a folk rocky kind of vibe. And then Lost and Found, I'd say, because I filmed, I did that in Nashville, recorded it with, and Nashville musicians are amazing. Oh my God, you come in, you play it on the guitar and like within one take, it's like they've been rehearsing it for years. They're just insane. I, yeah, it was Keith wow. Urban's band. They're just, I mean... They are the best musicians in the world if you ever want session guys. So yeah, I would say start with a new album. Um, the best place to go is my website. That's where you'd get all the info. That's why I've got like the, you know, how I describe how the album happened and the stories with my bass player walking off the stage at the Viper Room because he had a party to go to in the hills. And we were all just like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're just leaving middle set. <laughs> but we carried on. But stories like that, you know, that just at the time you're like, you're insanely mad, but when you look back at it, it's all part of your history and all the fun times of doing rock music. Because I, I don't think in other genres that really happens, but in rock, there seems to be a very rebel attitude <laughs> and everyone just kind of does what they want to do, which is why I love it, because it is a rebel and do what you want to do and say what you want to say. So so yeah, start with my website and also Spotify, obviously. Follow me on Spotify because then you'll get notified because the singles are coming out every month until October. And the album is available for pre-order on my website or on iTunes as well. So you can actually pre-order it. Definitely check it out. I did have one question. I was 
listening to Spotify and I noticed a Radio Nowhere, which is one of Bruce Springsteen's. It's actually one of my favorite songs. I have one of my really good friends that's totally into Springsteen and can go deep in in the tracks. And I was like, wow, Radio Nowhere. I was just just floored of your version. What drove you to go down um, that path? Well, I was back in London at the time and I wanted to do like a cover EP because I always did my own stuff. And I've always loved Bruce Springsteen. I just think he's one of the ultimate artists and I could relate to him very much because he does, he's a storyteller as well, you know, and he, and not just, you know, bullshit. He's, he tells stories of the times, you know, what's actually going on and stuff that means something. So I not only love his music, but what he says in his lyrics. And I wanted to pick one of his songs and I also wanted to play my sax. And I was like, okay, which one of the songs can I use that we could make into my own version and I could also do a sax solo on it. So we played around with a few different ones and this one was like, yeah, this is it. You just know it when you're in the studio, you're just jamming because we had the guitarist that played with me on that is Adele's music director, Tim Vanderkill. And we were just playing around with that and he was like, yeah, that's the one. So, and it just flowed. When it clicks, it clicks and you just know it's that song. And it was just such a great song to play. So yeah, we did that in Soho and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so you talked about the Stones, you talked about all the producers and musicians you've worked with. And just curious about if there's any other music artists that is on your, I guess, your bucket list, or your wish list that you would love to work with. Oh my God. Well, I'd love to do a song with Keith Richards. <laughs> uh, that would be insane. I was actually on a plane with uh, with Ronnie Wood once and he was sitting two uh, chairs in front of me. I was like, God, I could just go up to him and say, hey, do you guys, the Rolling Stones, want to do a song with me but I didn't so I thought that wouldn't have been correct but <laughs> yeah in terms of artists I've always loved Dave Grohl I think he's an incredible performer yeah. incredible writer and just love his whole attitude and and the way he does things so yeah he'll be one person I'd love to work with and obviously Rick Rubin as a producer he's incredible and he's done um, so many incredible records but I was extremely like Michael Beinhorn was on that list you know I mean he did Aerosmith, Soundgarden, Holes, gosh I mean so much social distortion so many people and he's like one of the best rock producers out there so that's Definitely one person that was I'm so grateful to have worked with. But yeah, so those, those are my two off the top of my head. <laughs> I don't think you can go any uh, any higher than those yeah. that you mentioned. So I've got one last question for you. Here at Tunesmate, we do a couple things. We play around with, with song titles, and we've got something where we call it a send tune, where you can make a sentence out of an artist's songs. And so you, you try to make a sentence. But a new one that we're throwing around is called Song or artists. So I've got one and see, I'm going to throw it at you and see how you feel about it. So cream, there's a song by Prince called cream or the band cream. If you had to go down a certain direction. Oh, gosh, they're both great ones. Cause I love Prince. My God, for me personally, probably the band cream. That's more my style. Uh, but I love Prince. Cream. <laughs> so, I know it's hard. That's that's why we always throw them out because we also have another one, Title Title, which we do, which, you know, it's like, I think our latest one was In Your Eyes, which we had Peter Gabriel. And then also there's a song out there by, I think it's Robin Schultz, which is a new wave song. And then, of course, you've got The Weeknd that has In Your Eyes. So we make it hard. <laughs> so it's really challenging to pick favorite song and that's why we do that well it's awesome news this has been fabulous to have you on the podcast you should definitely check out the new album and 
get into the music and like you said subscribe because that's the way you're going to be able to keep up with everything that you're doing and i know you've got more things up your sleeve yes i've got more <laughs> albums and everything but i have to get this one out first so <laughs> right that's right well, pace yourself. Like you said, it's a marathon. I don't know what mile marker you're at or, or <laughs> I guess it's kilometer if I were to, to translate. But yeah. you know, there, there's a lot out there and you should definitely check out the music. We appreciate you being on the podcast and continue to inspire and tell your story. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It was so lovely to speak with you. And um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's been great. Take care. Take care. Bye. All right. Well, welcome back from the interview now ray i bet you found it interesting that noosh in our new segment the song or artist i said the one that we have up is cream so we've got cream by prince the number one hit back in 1991 and then cream the band who had you know sunshine of your love and badge crossroads i mean you name all those songs which way would you lean, Ray? So, yeah, so this is your new feature, right, on Tinsman. We just started this one, and your very first example is Cream. We got some, you know, we've been we've been brainstorming this for the last several days and last week, and we got some good ones coming up, I think. I think you got some good ones in the hopper. So I've been thinking about this Cream since we started talking about it, and this is tough. I love that Prince song. I mean, it's still vivid in my mind from, oh, gosh, almost 30 years ago now. I mean, it's really hard, but then I look at Cream the Band. I mean, <laughs> the makeup of that band, the three guys that were in it, and then I go to Sunshine of Your Love, and I'm like, how do you vote against that? Like, how do I vote against that? And so ultimately I can't. And so I love that Prince song, man. I, I want to vote. I want, I, at the, when we first started talking about this, I thought I, I'm going to go with the the song, not the band. I love the band's great. I mean, Clapton and Baker, you know, whatever. But uh, but I gotta go with that. Song. And then I'm like, yeah, but well. And then I I thought of Sunshine of Your Love, and I'm like, no, it's the band. So I think I haven't voted yet. I'll I'll vote here in a moment. I couldn't vote for the longest time because I just I couldn't figure it out. And so finally, it's the band. What about you? Yeah, I I had the same exact thing. Yep. And that's the point of these, right? It's the same with title, title. You know, this song artist thing, right. it's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't, then we probably wouldn't put them up on the site. They'd be, you know, we slam dunk yeah. or something. So I had the same time because that song by Prince Cream, yeah. I don't know what he did, but when he was in that new power generation, there were a bunch of hits he had that were just flowing. And this one, I had the same thing. So I went... I looked at a couple of the Cream songs, and then I just, yeah. same thing. I couldn't vote against Cream because of their influence on so many other artists. And that's what I started thinking. About. I know Prince yeah. has had a lot of influence, too. But the influence that impacted me, like Van Halen. I mean, Eddie Van Halen says that the early Cream records is what he listened to that crafted the way he played. So I ultimately selected cream. And like you said, we got some, there's some other ones up our sleeve here that are coming up and they're, they're, they're going to be just as hard. Well, and I like that you mentioned the, that the new power generation era of Prince, right? Cause Prince has the, you know, the Prince and the, the Prince, the early Prince, the Prince and the revolution, 
the new power generation, the change my name to the signy thing, the the post signy name, right? And I mean, it's almost like five different eras of Prince. And Cream was the biggest hit of the new power generation era. You talk about some great songs from that time period. There's some really provocative songs from that time period. Yes. Uh, Get Off. Uh, and the other one, the one that I, I just cranked this up in my car a few weeks ago. Uh, Sirius XM had a limited time Prince channel. Oh, I missed that. And, yeah, it was on. And I, I programmed it. And for a week or two, it was in there. And, and one day I was driving home, just going to I don't know, grocery store or something like that. And, and uh, Sexy MF came on. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the, the like riff in that thing, <laughs> I, I had my, my stereo cranked, pulling into my garage, you sexy, and I'm just like, oh my God, you know, and I'm like, I mean, there's some, there's some real jams from that time period and Cream is the biggest hit. So it's like the epitome of that era and, and probably the, the cleanest part of that era too, but, oh, but <laughs> as, as Cream is... As clean as cream can be. But yeah, like you said, you know, you think about the influence of, you know, my dad grew up, growing up playing guitar, my dad, and, you know, my dad playing guitar and, and me playing bass or singing and stuff. My dad was, he always said that he wanted to be a, a rock and roll star. And then he saw Clapton playing. He's like, man, nah, I'm never going to beat that. So he gave it up, you know, there you go. Like, how do you beat that? You don't. I mean, I, I saw Eric Clapton live. It had been years ago. And I saw a lot of bands before that. And still to this day, that is the cleanest sounding guitar I have ever heard come out of a sound system. <laughs> I mean, it was crystal clear. You could hear every note he was doing, and it was amazing. So I also have a memory of that. But I did want to tell you that this whole like song artist thing, I was joking with you about it. But it literally was, I was riding my bike, and I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if the Cars redid Cars by Gary Newman? That's for some reason this this idea went through my head, but I'm like, well, they were called the Cars, right, 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 and not the Cars. But that, that's what spurred it. I was like, wait a minute, I wonder if there actually is there are songs that are band names, and that's how it started. It's it's just so weird. But then think about that version if the Cars ever did Cars by Gary Newman. I think that the idea of that is fascinating. Uh, you know, that da 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 right, that starts off that song. Mm -hmm. Now, I picture it like if you think about the beginning of Moving in Stereo by the Cars, that sort of classic opening of that song that's been used in, like, you know, promo radio promos and you name it for, you know, for almost 40 years now. That's it. I, I think about that same kind of sound, that instrumentation, that sound, that that vocalization, and that sound put on cars. And I think that would be phenomenal. And then you, you hear Rick Ocasek coming in, singing the song. And obviously, you know, it can't happen because uh, Rick passed away. Right. And, and, you know, Greg um, um, Monroe passed away too, so we can't have him do it. But God, yeah, that's a fascinating idea. Yeah. So we gotta we gotta get Clapton to record Prince's song. I mean, Ginger Baker probably last year. So I can hear it. Bring the band back together, but yeah, you could probably do it with Steve Winwood because the Cream by Prince has a lot of you know like kind of an organ sound in it. So oh man, I can I, okay. So 
So I can actually hear Steve Winwood singing this in my head now. Right? Yeah, totally can. I could totally hear. It's got kind of a don't you know what the night can do kind of feel in mm-hmm. my head. And oh, my God. So if you're listening, Eric, <laughs> get Winwood <laughs> together and do cream. You know, you know what his response to us probably is? So the thing about Clapton is that I always found fascinating the way that he does his bar chords, the way that his fingers are on the board. Oh, yeah. He always looks like he's flipping everybody off. The way that his, he holds his hand when he does bar chords is his middle fingers up, and it looks like he's flipping her. That's probably his response to us. Like, yeah, 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 right. I'm doing That's that. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> We like the dream on this podcast. Exactly. Well, that takes us right back, you know, to the interview, right? It's you know, it's sort of the you never let that dream die, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's how this podcast started. I mean, we hit ten years and was like, well, let's keep it going. Well, and, and that's the story of of artists, like in the interview you just did. You know, the she kind of came back to it. The dream never quite died. Well, think about it now, Ray. This is Tunes Mate just turned eleven. And this podcast just turned a year. Yeah, they were right about there. Yeah. Uh, happy birthday, Tunes, mate. Happy birthday, podcast. <laughs> and we hope you enjoyed the interview. And make sure to listen to Noosh Skougan's new album and the single she's releasing. And I think you'll really dig it. It'll give you some new direction and, and keep you going. So without further ado, we appreciate you tuning in. Make sure to check us out on all our channels and all social media subscribe to our podcast and once again i'm mark and we will see you next time